You're listening to Hitting the Mark. My name is Ray Carr, along with Cindy Verblin, and the star of our show, Jeffrey Mark. How did um, the role of Tennessee Tuxedo fall on his lap? Agents, knowing people in the business back once upon a time, it was not the choice plum thing to be voicing cartoon characters. Uh, there were the people who did them in the films, like Mel Blanc and June Foray. They made whole careers out of this. For people like Don Adams or uh, Howard Morris, another dear friend of mine, they lent their voices to cartoons because they needed the money. They were in between TV shows or they were only booked for 25 weeks in clubs that year. They had families to raise. They had wives and children and mistresses to keep in mink coats. I don't know why I said pink coats, but I'll tell you why in a minute. There's a story about <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm cross-pollinating in my mind. So Don did it because you have an agent. And uh, it was a very recognizable voice. He had been a regular on the Bill Dana show. He had been a, a lot on Steve Allen's show. And it was just the next step to his having regular money. Today, you have to take a machete and a machine gun with you to get into voiceover work. It was such a closed, almost incestuous business that pays so well. You don't have to put on makeup. You don't have to learn blocking. You don't have to learn the script. It's right there in front of you. But boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. The people from The Simpsons could wipe out our national debt from what they're making when they rewrite that show. That wasn't the case. Don did it for the money. Happy to do it. And also he knew with the way he spoke that he was going to have a children's follow and he 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 liked that because he figured the kids will watch me their parents will watch with them and then i i get a whole new set of people who are fans of mine because his nightclub act was was more sophisticated it was it was really like a, a lot of comedians of the early 60s a lot of satire of, of popular culture both of the moment and of the past. And uh, the, the people who were first watching Don were aware he was parodying the, the Thin Man shows. No one had ever done that before. Uh, satire did very well in vaudeville. It did well in nightclubs. Not so much on television until the 60s and, and not so much in films or Broadway. So, so Don was trotting new ground. Although he was not tall, he was handsome. He was well-built. Uh, today, if you say somebody was well-built, it means they have 20-inch biceps and six-pack abs. He didn't have that, but he wouldn't have been uh, embarrassed if he had to take his shirt off. He was in good shape. He just wasn't tall and wasn't quite the leading man. Don was going to be a character actor. And he really, really resented that. Huh. So when Get Smart came along, you know, that, that series is such a shuffle of talents because, yeah, Mel Brooks, who is a genius of geniuses, created the concept, which was to be a satire of the James Bond films. Because in 1965, every television series, every variety show 
were doing parodies of, of, of Bond in one way or another. Uh, Dick Van Dyke, Lucy, everybody was doing it, the Beverly Hillbillies. And there were knockoffs of the Bond films. Dean Martin was doing it. There were several other franchises that were swinging, sexy, you know, private eyes or uh, government agents. It was the thing at the moment. But, but Mel didn't write it alone, which has been a bone of contention. It's contentious because Mel Brooks claims he created it and then in smaller letters with Buck Henry. But really it was Buck who's a friend of mine who pushed it. It was Buck who supervised it. Mel was on to other things already by that point. Uh, he, was, he was there, he was a presence, but not on a day-to-day -day basis. Then you have Bill Dana's already written catchphrases and affectations for the character that Don brought in with him. So the writers had to write in the would you believes and myth it by that much the third time it happened this week stuff. That, that was not Mel's concept, that was Don's material that had been supplied to him by Bill Dana. So you've got all these folks making up this show. And we'll throw one more in, Barbara Felder. Barbara was a major contributor to the success of the show. She was tall, she was beautiful, and like Dawn, she was very well-educated and brilliant. I mean, like a Rhodes Scholar, brilliant. So they connected on that level because they were both so intelligent. The only problem Barbara had with the show was that she had a slump because she was taller than Dawn. So when we did a two shot of the two of them together, she would lean down so that he could be taller than she was. It was a small price to pay to be in a hit sitcom. Yeah. The other cast member that I really enjoyed watching with them was Edward Platt. And he tragically yeah. died um, in 1974 of suicide. Ed Platt was a great straight man, which is basically what he was doing in the show. He was the straight man who set up the jokes. He was the guy who got, you know, he, he was a calm Mr. Moody who's reacting to the shenanigans around him that he knows shouldn't be happening, but somehow the result is always so good that he can't really complain about it. The other person who added a lot to the show, although he wasn't on every week, uh, was my friend Dick Gaudier, who played Jaime the Robot. Mm -hmm. Jaime the Robot. Yeah. Of course, you have a whole bunch of Jews writing stuff. Of course, his name is going <laughs> to Well, there was, one, there was one other guy, too, that was on periodically, David Ketchum. Dave Ketchum was another comedy writer and comedian who uh, yet another person who felt he had not become a big enough star. Dave was a working comedy writer and comedy actor. He never became a big star, but if you see him on Get Smart and other sitcoms of the 60s and 70s, there he is. He worked a lot, but there was never Dave Ketchum in. He didn't get to that level. Um, the show was extraordinarily well cast. The problem with Get Smart, of course, is that it's concept heavy. After a while, how many different things can happen between control and uh, chaos? How many times can, you know, Maxwell Smart screw up and somehow it ends up in his favor? 
So they did what other sitcoms were doing in the moment. After a few years, they allowed Max and 99 to get married, to have a wedding episode, to, to bring up the ratings, and it didn't work. So the show was on NBC for four years. I've said this to you before about NBC. In those days, NBC did not know what to do with situation comedies. Get Smart was on Saturday evenings before Saturday night at the movies, which was the great NBC did of 1950s and eventually 1960s movies that had never been seen on television, shown fairly uncut over the course of two hours plus commercials. Had Get Smart been on with other sitcoms, had it been protected, maybe its ratings would have been larger. So CBS, when NBC canceled it, they brought her over to CBS. 99 has twins, because everyone was having twins on sitcoms. Uh-huh. And it just petered out. After five years, they had rung every bit of comedy they could have because there was nowhere to run. Uh-huh. They were bound by their premise. We've discussed before, I think, about Sherwood Schwartz and the Brady Bunch. Uh-huh. After the first year, the show was no longer about two blended families because there were only 16 different plots. They came back for season two. There was no more talk about blended. They were a family. It became a show about a family. And perhaps if they had been able to drop the James Bond satire, maybe do more domestic comedy with the characters or move them into some other venue besides control, Perhaps it could have had legs, but it didn't. And they, they brought that thing back in movies and, then, and two more TV series, I think. And then what they did with it, Barbara was wonderful and, and Don was wonderful and the writing was wonderful. It just had no place to go, no, no new property to stand on. But five seasons was then and is now considered to be a very, very successful sitcom. Uh, Get Smart did very well in syndication, back when they had syndication, in the 1960s and 70s and to the early 80s. And I think it did, it did a nice tour on Nick at Night in TV land. But Don had no place to go. He was very, very unhappy. This is Hitting the Mark. I'm the Mark. Jeffrey Mark, and I'm here with my great friends Ray Carr and Cindy Verbalin. 